Hey, this is Steve Stewart. I'm the producer of The Money Show with Paula Pant and Jay Money. I wanted to let you know that I've been working with Paula and Jay for a little while now on this, and they've been really wanting to do this right. And one thing that's really bothered them is when Jay dropped his mic. He physically dropped his mic. It rolled across the floor. He thought it was working again, and it wasn't. So while the audio quality really isn't as pristine as many people would want, and Paula and Jay are really concerned about that, I thought the content was really good, and we didn't need to have them go back and re-record it. So we decided to go ahead, pull this one out, release it to you, because it's really good content. So without further ado, let me put on my DJ voice and start the music. You're listening to the Paula and Jay Money Show. We'd rather be at a bar with you right now, but this is the next best thing. It's Financial Freedom Time with Paula Pant and Jay Money. What up, Jay Money? Hi, Paula and family. <laughs> How's it going? It's doing good. I'm drinking some nice coffee and excited to talk about money. All right. Tell me about it. I know we talked about before a lot of the habits that we do um, to manage our money. Let's talk about all of the our favorite products or services that we use. So it's more tangible and people can see if it's something they want to try or not. Um, but it might be just a cool thing to run down all the different um, areas of finance in general. Yeah. So like today, like we'll talk about stuff that we use for banking, credit cards, insurance, investing, savings, productivity, blah, 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 blah. All, all that good stuff. Oh, so oh. fun to talk about. Sure. Hey, should we th- <laughs> should we throw out a disclaimer like right up front? Because that's how I roll. Oh, sure. What, what are you disclaiming? Oh, okay. So um, there's this thing in the world called an affiliate relationship. Mm-hmm. And what that means is that if we link to a product on either of our blogs or on our web or on any website or anywhere, uh, if we link to a product and a person clicks that link and then buys that product or service, then we would get some sort of a commission on it. Now, my rule personally, and I actually, I tell me about yours, Jay, but okay. my personal rule is twofold. Number one, it's that uh, I don't link to anything unless I personally use it myself. Mm-hmm. Or if it's something that I wouldn't have use for myself, like if it's something that involves, say, paying off a student loan, which I would have no use for, then it's got to be something that like a shitload of my friends all use themselves. Yeah. So that's rule number one. Like 99% of anything that I link to, I myself use it. And also number two, rule number two is I always disclaim it right up front because I feel like there are a lot of bloggers who will like bury it in like teeny tiny little <laughs> size two font at the bottom of their post. And I'm like, that's just shady, dude. <laughs> so uh, so I always just disclose it right up front and be like, yeah, this is an affiliate link. This is not. This is. This is not. This is. This is. This is. And that's oh, not. Man. You know, that's a lot of disclaiming. <laughs> <laughs> I would say I'd be the same thing with you as far as your number one rule, 100%. Like I only talk about products that I love or use or my friends love and use. Yeah. The second one is tricky. So as soon as you mention linking or or affiliates and all that kind of stuff, people get a little weird. So my personal thing is like, if I don't, if like I'm going to talk, I always, if I'm going to talk about a product, regardless of the money, Mm -hmm. I talk about it normally, do my thing or do my review or whatever. And then I am one of those people that at the end will say, hey, by the way, if you sign up, this is affiliate, I get paid, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that way it's like an organic, natural thing anyways, and it doesn't mess with weirdness. And then if you happen to read the end and you see that, you know, um, you know, so I, so I guess like, yeah, technically it it could help be more helpful upfront and, and every time you link, but like, there's just, 
for me, anytime I see like, oh, this isn't a thing, this one's not, this one is, I'm like, ah, just tell me what the thing's about, you know? <laughs> But yeah. I know it's all different, so it's it's a tricky one. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, and that's a good point because I, when I write, I'm like trying to figure out how to say it in a way that doesn't interrupt the like the narrative flow of the article, and I feel like that's something I'm still kind of like trying to figure out. Like, I'm like, do I just put like parentheses affiliate link, or do I do like parentheses and then like several sentences that explain what that means? Like, that's okay. the part that I haven't quite figured out yet. How do I? How do I maximize transparency while also, like, not interrupt the reader experience and the narrative flow? And that part, that part, I still haven't quite gotten. I feel like I'm, I'm still trying to figure that one out. Right. Well, well. So in, in with this podcast, it's different because we're talking about things. So I think where you're going with this, <laughs> I, could, I could be wrong, is that some of the products we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess if we talk about a product and you sign up, there's no way for it to be an affiliate anyways because we're not, we don't have any links in this podcast. Yeah, just our <laughs> you can do whatever you want. But yeah, it's a lot of the products I guess we talk about because we're trying to be you know, business savvy, if we blog about them and their links and odds are we get their affiliates. Not every, not every company has affiliates. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but we're, the stuff that we're talking about today are all products that we love and use ourselves. And we'll probably talk about why that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's up to you, obviously, as a listener to determine if you like it or don't or care about it or, or whatever. Yeah. And that's the other thing. If you hate us and want us to not get any money ever, um, you don't have to click on our links. You can just open up a new Google tab and go to that product directly. Yeah. Knock yourself out. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I'll tell you, there's been years I'm just lazy. I'll just talk about a product. And then I'm like, oh, I should probably go and get an affiliate. But I'm like, screw it. That's going to take like another hour. So I just like don't. (laughs) The point is, though, like there are times where, especially in the financial world, if you see blogs are like, hey, these are the top best credit cards or this is the best this. And it's all like product, product, product. Odds are they're getting paid for, which is fine because obviously we're doing it. Just be cognizant of. You know, are they being totally true? Is it seem more businessy? You know, like there are people that blog just for money. It's just the business. It's not necessarily for the best interest. Yeah, there's no heart. Yeah, there's no heart. That's right. It's all hustle, but but to a degree where, you know, like, I don't know, you just have to be careful. And and if you trust the person, great. And if not, just be careful. That's pretty much it at the end. And the, Um, the, the one other thing that I'll say is that I often recommend products that don't have affiliate programs. Like you and I both love Vanguard. Oh, hell yes. And Vanguard doesn't have an affiliate program. But you know what? We both use it ourselves. And I think it's awesome. So I'll talk about it. To everybody, even though like I get nothing in in return for that. You know what's funny about that too is I asked them if they if they can have an affiliate program because I only been with them for like a year or two years. Uh huh. Uh, and they said, "Why do you think everything's so cheap there? Because well, we don't pay people to talk about us." <laughs> oh, nice. I was like, damn, that's good. And she's like, "Plus, you're talking about us anyways." I'm like, "Damn." <laughs> And I was at a wedding recently where I met someone that works at Vanguard and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Tell me all about it. Like, oh, like, like obviously like my nerd brain got super excited uh-huh. and she was like, yeah, it sucks. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, they're like best investments. I have like hundreds of thousands with them. She's like, yeah, it's good for investors, sucky for people that work there. Cause like, I guess apparently, I mean, again, this is all like hearsay. So, and I love them regardless. Yeah. Um, but they said like they pay lower than like what an average company does. Like they, they're so focused on low cost that I guess it, tra- they, they think that it translates down into the, 
employees and how they treat their employees and all that stuff, mm -hmm. which I don't know. Like, obviously, just one person who's obviously disgruntled. Mm -hmm. um, but you just never think about that stuff. Like, why is this stuff so cheap and so good for, for investors, right? Like, mm -hmm. they, they've made decisions along the line elsewhere. Mm -hmm. um, but anyways, that, that's a whole other, whole other topic for a different day. Huh. I never knew that about him. Or I guess that's one person's opinion. But yeah, I never, I never heard that. Yeah. But it is definitely cheap for investors. Mm -hmm. Well, you wait till we get to the investing part. All right. All right. I'll hold okay. it. All right. Let's start with the basic banking. Cool. So which includes, let's just say savings and checking accounts. Okay. So who do you use for your saving and your checking account? And, and do you have a whole bunch or do you just use one like your style? So I, I have way too many and I'm trying to whittle them down. Okay. When I was in college, I opened up an account with just my local credit union and that was they're awesome and if i that happens to be a colorado based credit union and so that's the only reason that i'm closing it down cuz i don't live in colorado and i haven't for many years okay go to your local credit union like most of them are pretty good and have low fees and are awesome but since i moved out of colorado now i have uh, a personal account with Charles Schwab, which I absolutely love. They do not have an affiliate program, but uh, they're another company that I just talk about all the time because they'll send you free checks. They'll send you like all these free postage paid envelopes. So if you ever want to mail something to them, you don't have to put a stamp on it. Just like a little, like they don't nickel and dime you. Anything you could possibly want from them, it's all free. So it, it's just really awesome. Can you use them if you don't invest through them or anything? Yeah, you can just totally open up a bank account with them. The one thing that they don't offer is business banking. If they did, I would be all over that in a heartbeat. Yeah. So I just have a personal account with them. Okay. And you have a checking and a savings or just checking? Uh, actually, I just have a checking account with them. So that's like your main your main checking account is through Charles Schwab. Yeah. Uh, okay. My main personal checking account. And okay. then uh, I also have a savings account. There's this uh, website called Smarty Pig. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's it's really cool. It's got this, like, fun user interface. Like, basically, the idea is that you can form separate sub-accounts and give each one the name of a goal. So, for example, I could have one, one account with a goal that is a trip to California and one account with a goal that's, like, max out your Roth IRA next year, you know, and, and if it's, like, the year prior, I start saving money in advance for that. You know, one account with a goal of like, I don't know, big crazy weekend party, um, whatever your goals are, you just name each one and then you can watch these piggy banks fill up and watch like your progress towards each goal. And what I like about it is that when you if you're just stashing money into an account, even if mentally, you know why you're saving. Yes, totally different. If you can't visualize it, like it just feels like a big pile of money in an account. Whereas if every dollar is put towards a goal, it just makes it so much more uh, motivating and it makes you less likely to withdraw that money because you know that you're pulling it away from a given goal. Yeah. Like if you pull money from the crazy weekend party for, I don't know, I don't know what's stupid because I don't shop. <laughs> like a, a $200 iPad the first generation or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're like, is this iPad better than a crazy dance party? And the answer is no. And so you don't pull it out. <laughs> so instead you pull it out and you're like, car fun, which is boring, right? <laughs> but no, that's good. That's very much like ING back in the day when you had mm -hmm. the sub accounts. 
and they were the same bank, but they weren't like separate bank accounts, but it kind of seemed like that, but it was all separate buckets, yeah. all attached to your same account. Yeah, exactly. Okay. And Smarty so. Pig pays at this, at the time of this recording, they pay uh, a 0.75% uh, interest rate on those savings, which I realize that doesn't sound great. Like, ooh, three quarters of a percent. Wow. But that's, un- unfortunately, that's much better than what most savings accounts are paying. It yeah. is one of the best in the market right now. Yeah. So, okay. So you use Charswab for checking and then Smarty Pig for saving. And those are like your two main accounts. Yeah. My main personal accounts. Okay. All right. That's good. So I use USAA, uh, which is mainly for like military families or people that are in the military. Um, My dad was in the Marine Corps. And so like year, oh man, decades ago, um, I got my first account with them for car insurance. I used to chase the rates and used to chase like, oh, the best savings. I'm going to go there. The best credit card. I'm going to go there. And then after a while, I was just like sick of it. And so I said, I'm going to get rid of every single thing I have and condense all to one spot as most as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and with USAA, thankfully, like they have banking, checking, credit card, even investments. Like at one point I had 20 something accounts <laughs> all with USAA, but it was all under one roof. And so now there's maybe like 10 or 15 in there, but mm-hmm. it's all under one roof. So I have every, I could see everything. I don't have to worry and I trust them. You know, whether it's smart to have it all in one spot is a you know a whole other thing. But um, but you know, I love it and I trust them. So so for my for my checking and my savings are both with USAA. And I don't even have honestly like my wife and I have one main checking account we call like our house account. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to before we merged, like I'd have my own personal checking, my own personal savings, and then a house checking and a house savings. Mm-hmm. Um, and then she'd have her own stuff, and then we both have access to the house stuff. Mm-hmm. But once we merged over the years, I was like, man, this is there's so many accounts to keep track of. Yeah. So, we, so like, I'm actually just going to cancel. I don't even have a personal checking anymore. We just have the house checking. Right. And I'm about this month, I'm going to get rid of my how, my savings because I never use it. It's just sitting there doing nothing, you know. So we're literally going to have one main house checking and then a house savings account. Um, just to keep it easy. And you know, and I do totally advocate that because I, I have the same problem that you did. Like I used to chase interest rates and open up all these accounts and blah, 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 blah. And now it's like, I just have way too much scattered, like the four corners of the earth. Yeah. Um, and so I actually, this is like the nerdiest thing you're ever going to hear. I actually got my on my whiteboard, I actually drew a flow chart of like where all of my money is and where it's where how money goes into the account and what bills get paid out of what and i sat back and i looked at it and it looked like the world's worst like spaghetti monster project it was like the most like unnecessarily complicated flow chart but that actually helped drawing it out because then i could like visualize like all right this is what i have to do in order to close down a bunch of accounts and like yeah. refunnel money and just consolidate. So for anyone, everyone listening, if you want to streamline or figure out where the hell everything is, hopefully you know where it is in your head. Mm-hmm. But like odds are, there's probably one or two accounts you probably forgot about. At least if you're starting out in the game and, and managing your money, mm-hmm. so that's a really good idea to put it on a whiteboard board or draw it out and just have it all that you're looking at all in one spot. So you know what the deal is, and then you can merge and cancel and close out and all that good stuff. So that's that's an excellent, excellent tip. Yeah, simplify your life. That's a thing that I learned the hard way. It's like there's that balance, right, between optimizing and simplifying. Because if you're Mm -hmm. always trying to optimize, you're like, ooh, the interest rate is half a percent better over there, you know. But like 
years of doing that will just overcomplicate your life. Yeah, and I'll say if you are like there are the only exception that I can understand are the people that are like chasing the credit cards to get the free rewards and yeah. points and math. And I don't do that just because again it's against like simplifying. Mm-hmm. But like those people that are good at they open up like one new account every month, but they have like a spreadsheet and they know what days it's closing and they have like their whole system down. Right. So it's a lot, but it's also all in one spot. Right. Um, at least from what I hear. So like if you're going to go that route, whether credit card or, or savings or checkings or whatever, just make sure you, you know where everything is and you can have control over it. Yeah. All right. So that's banking, checking so, and savings. Let's talk about credit cards then on that note. Yes. And I'll start because mine's boring. I use USAA. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. And honestly, like, so the reason I use them in general is they have good customer service. I've been with them for a long time. I, I trust them and I... I it just made my life a lot easier. And so I, I personally don't go for cards or accounts that have the highest interest or that pay the best credit card points or whatever, mm-hmm. um, again, for the chasing stuff. And so USDA's card, I don't think it's like the best, like like in a range from one to 10 is probably like a seven or an eight, mm-hmm. you know, like it's not like a nine, there's nothing special about it. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it helps me keep everything in one spot. Mm-hmm. And so that's the reason I do it rather than have another account out there that I have to manage. Um, that's going to change the rules or whatever, right. you know, and, and, I'll, and I'll put all my, my expenses on a credit card and then I'll pay it off every month. But like, it's not to the point where I'm like missing out on like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. I mean, and the USA card does have, it's like the world MasterCard, I think it's called. Mm-hmm. It does have cash back. So I think I get like $350 a year using them. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe if I were like optimizing and went with a better card, Maybe I'd get like 700 or 800, you know, right. so which is more. But um, but yeah, so so when you're doing this stuff, I guess the point is like ask yourself, is it what's is it the convenience or is it the money? Like, what are you going for? Or is it the customer service? Like, these are all variables that go into like choosing, you know, who you use. Yeah. Think carefully about what's worth your time and what's not. Because, I mean, if you're a college student and you're making $8 an hour, then yes. making some kind of optimization that would result in an extra 300 bucks a year, like, that is worth your time. That's a, a month's rent, right. you know? Yes. And if, uh, you're finan- yeah, if, you're, if your answer for all financial decisions is what's the most financially smart, like factually, Mm-hmm. Then you want, then in that case, you chase all that stuff because you're getting more money because you're not, you're just doing it for the numbers. But if you're like, I do things on emotion for the better or the worse. So if I like something or something makes me feel good or I'm going to be able to be lazier, you know, then I choose answers based on that as long as it's not detrimental to my stuff. Like as long as I'm like 80% good, then, then I'm fine. Well, I, and I think you're hitting on something important. Like for me, that was a lesson that I kind of had to learn the hard way because I used to always try to over-optimize um, and, and chase all of the little things. And what I eventually learned was that I have a limited amount of mental energy. And the more time that I spend scrutinizing spreadsheets and trying to to optimize around the fringes, the less time that I could spend doing the one big thing that might actually move the needle. Um, potatoes. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's this concept, the, the 80-20, right? Where like uh, 80% of your results are going to come from like 20% of your efforts, mm-hmm. which is basically another way of saying there are one or two things that you could do in any given day that are the most important things that will really help move you forward in life. And everything else is kind of details, 
So if you yeah. have a limited amount of time and energy, focus on those that one thing. I don't know if it's the same. Like if there's 10 million credit cards out there and there's one that's decent, so I call it like 80%. I'll pick it rather than spending whatever to get the extra 20% yield, even like with investing, right? Like if you're like, oh, this is a hot stock versus like an index fund and that hot stock might like, if I do things right, earn 20% more, I'll take the one at 80%. I'm right. happy at the at good, getting good and then like not touching it again. So, and so right. in that, my mind, that's like the 80, 20 for me, yeah. but I don't know if it's based on that or if it's just a different way to reward it. And, and even with like spending, right? Like I have no problem. In fact, I love it. And I encourage people to spend money at Starbucks. Like Starbucks makes you happy. It's a few bucks. Yeah. I know if you add it up every day it equals like hundreds of thousands of dollars, right? <laughs> All that stuff. Mm -hmm. If you like spent more time, like on buying a house or property where it saved you like $500 a month, you know, right? and spend your time that, and then every month you're saving 500 you know, versus trying to like cut out the little tiny things that make you happy. You know, that's like another for me, like an 80 20, like, yes, you can save 500 being better with home ownership and also not never drink Starbucks and then have your 100% savings. But to me, I'd rather have the, the good home ownership part, which I suck at, but I'd rather have that and have my Starbucks, you know? Right, exactly. Yeah, Ramit refers to this. Ramit Sethi, he writes, uh, I will teach you to be rich. Dot com. Um, he refers, I, I learned this from him years ago, and he refers to this as the big win. Yes. What he says, which I am very much a believer in, is if you chase the big wins, uh, like housing, for example, yeah. um, you can let go of the little stuff and it's okay. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, it's tempting to think, well, I can have the big wins and sweat the small stuff as an optimizer. But, you know, we are limited in just the amount of willpower and, and strength and energy that we have. So yes, and, and it goes again too, to your point, Paulo, that we're in different phases. So if you're starting out with no money or in debt, and you're like, look, I need to like blow this shit up and, and you know, get going, then it's okay to go like hardcore and, and save on everything or whatever, right? But odds are, it's not sustainable for the long term. You know, exactly. so you go in pockets. I mean, there's times where I don't want to spend anything. And then there's years where I'm like, I don't, I'm okay. I'm not going to watch every penny. You know, like it, right. you go through phases of your life and money. Yeah. But no, but yeah, I guess the point is know that it's okay, whichever like strategy you go with. And there's obviously a ton of different strategies, but yeah, but going back to your thing, Paul, the 80, 20 is a good thing just to, to keep in mind when you're, when you're deciding on stuff. Yeah, exactly. So I guess back to credit cards. <laughs> I know, we suck at going off track. You know what? I kind of do the 80-20 with my credit cards. So I am sort of a travel hacker. I would say that I'm like a mild, modified version of a travel hacker. Like there are some people who are super into the travel hacking world and you talk to them and they're just this wealth of knowledge and information about which credit cards have what kind of sign-up bonuses and they give you this many points and this many miles and blah, 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 blah. Dude, I don't really have time or the interest to track all of that. I want to put in the minimum amount of time and research and energy to get good enough airline miles for my for, you know, what I spend and, and, and then call it a day and move on with my life. Okay. Um, and so what I do, my like modified, very, very modified travel hacking is I'll open up usually like one or two credit cards per year rather than like travel hackers will do like one or two a month. Okay. So how many cards um, do you have right now at this given time? So I have, <laughs> uh, at the moment, I've got one, I've got the United Mileage Plus card. Okay. Is that your main one? I don't really have a main one okay. because when you open up a new card, 
you have to spend X amount, depending on the card, you have to spend X amount on it within Y amount of time in order to qualify for like the sign up bonus. Okay. Whatever card I need to put all of my spending on is the one that I'm putting all of my spending on. Okay. And so I've got like a United Mileage Plus card, which goes gives me points on the United Airlines Continental Airlines family. And then I've got the American Airlines A Advantage card. Um, and at the moment, I also have a, a U.S. Airways branded card, although U.S. Airways recently merged with American Airlines. So now that card is redundant. So I'll probably just cancel it. Those are my personal ones. And then, of course, I've got a business credit card as well. Okay. Who do you use for the business credit card? So I used to have a Delta Sky Miles card until I realized. So people refer to Sky Miles as Sky Pesos because they're so <laughs> like the redemption value is just <laughs> so deflated. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> so I used to have a Delta Sky Miles card until I figured out that that those are just Sky Pesos. Yeah. And so then the card membership date, the member card member anniversary was going to come up. Um, and when that comes up, then you get charged the annual fee again. So I just called them and said, hey, I want to cancel the card before my member anniversary so I cannot pay the annual fee because it's not worth it on this card. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said, you know what? We've got a free version of this card. Of course. We cycle it. <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) And they were like, well, if we cycle you into that, you're not going to get as many miles or points, but it's free and you're not going to have to bother changing all of your like numbers on all of your auto pays. And I was like, sweet. And here's the 80-20 kicking in. I was like, let's just do that. Okay. So in the future, I might upgrade to a different business credit card that gives me different like miles and whatever. Right. But for the moment, just being a, you know, Playing to the 80 20, I'm just sticking with that. Delta pesos. I'm sticking with what's good enough. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, mine's simpler. I just have uh, American Express uh, Blue, I think it's called. Um, I don't know. I have like five or six years. It gives me points and stuff, but I don't. I mean, running a blog, there's like hardly any expenses you put on credit card, or at least my blog. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't. I, I think it's like $100 a month I pay on that thing, like for like really? AWeber, emails. And then, like, if I go to, like, the post office <laughs> to, like, mail something, <laughs> yeah, it's, like, I nothing. Spend, like, spend, like, 3000 a month on my business credit card. Well, you're, maybe you're hustling more than <laughs> I <laughs> I, mean, I never said I was the best businessman. I'm just trying to be a good blogger. <laughs> okay, well, cool. So that's credit card. And actually, let me backtrack just so I, I can be a little more helpful for the banking stuff. Like, I just found out about Simple Bank. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's, like, kind of like a... They feel like they're like a hipster bank, like they're, they're people know about them, but they're new and like only like early adopters are using them or something. Um, but Simple Bank is just like a, a checking and then like with the debit card, but like it has a lot of built in like budgeting features and there's like no fees for anything. Um, so, so if I wasn't with USAA, I would personally go to, to Simple just for people that like obviously can't, not everyone can use USAA. Um, so anyways. All right, let's go to, uh, what do you want to do? You want to do some insurance action? Yeah, dude, let's do it. Let's let's fly through this, man. We've got, because I want to cover uh, some ground. All right, well, let's start with car insurance. So me, no surprise, I use USA. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's really boring. Sorry, guys. All right, who do you use for car? Or do you even have a car, policy? I do. I, I have a car. Um, I use State Farm, although honestly, like, I'm not in love with them, so... Uh, I would I would really recommend that you just shop around and get multiple quotes from multiple agencies. Yes, and just see because I I 
I happen to use State Farm, but it's not because they're the best. It's just because you're not loyal to them. Yeah, exactly. I would I would switch in a heartbeat if I got a better offer from somebody else. Okay, and I will say too for people that even if you're happy with your insurance, like I've been with USA literally for like 20 years or something crazy. Like every year. Like I always call sometimes six months, if I remember, like I always call and try and see if I can lower it, whether it's like changing deductibles or updating the mileage, like stuff changes in the year. Right. You know? So always call, even if you're happy with your, your agency, just to, to see if you're getting the best deal based on your situation for that given point of time. And like I put it like now, like that I'm trying to be better and do every six months, I have a, a Google a Gmail alert. So it'll alert and say, hey, dummy, don't forget to call USAA. Yeah, so it forces me, it reminds me to like do these stupid little tricks that usually you forget about after a while. Nice. All right, so that's, yeah. Cool. Oh, uh, so health insurance. I have no idea when this episode is going to air, but at the time that we're recording this, we happen to be in that like very narrow window of time where you can, the open enrollment period where you can switch your health insurances. Are you going through the health, like uh, Obamacare, health, health, uh, whatever, healthinsurance.gov or whatever? So I, I actually, I searched on two different sites. I searched healthcare.gov, uh, which is the Obamacare website. And then okay. I also searched ehealthinsurance.com, okay. which, which I do have an article about on my blog, and it is an affiliate article. But I actually personally <laughs> used it, and I found a cheaper, not just a cheaper policy, but better value policy. So like okay. lower premium relative to the deductible and the coinsurance and all of that. So yeah, so I've applied for a health insurance program, a health insurance plan through eHealth Insurance. And okay. I just That's did good. that like last week, actually. So the, the specific one that I applied for is it's a United Healthcare company. It's, it's, it's Nevada specific. But what I liked about it was just like, you know, you go through this portal and you can see all of the different plans and compare and they have these charts. So you can see, you can do like a line by line comparison of like, this is the premium, this is the deductible, this is the coinsurance, this is the annual out-of-pocket maximum. Basically, here are all of the stats about it, and you can just like look at them in a glance and see, all right, that one's the one I want. It's funny you said that. So I used to use e-health insurance when I went self-employed. Uh-huh. I guess in my mind, or if someone told me, they said you can't use them, you have to use the healthcare.gov or whatever. Oh, no, that's not true at all. Okay, so last year I went through healthcare.gov. <laughs> but I, but I, I'm a, yeah, I love e-health insurance just because it's easy and simple. Again, like it's just a, it's streamlining it all and letting you be faster with your decision yeah. making. And so, yeah, so we're in the process of figuring out what plan to use too um, here in Virginia. Um, but man, shit, like... Having kids mm-hmm. and then, man, it's like ours is like 900 something a month, yeah. which is like a house payment or whatever, a Lamborghini I payment. Know, right? it's, just, it's crazy. And honestly, in the beginning of the year, because it's based on at least like the, the subsidies mm-hmm. you can get through the healthcare thing, like right. is based on like income stuff, you know? So last year, like my business was making like 70,000 a year. Like it was like the lowest mm-hmm. point I've been since like starting. You know, and so I had all these credits. So like if like everyone was on the same plan back then in my mm-hmm. family, they weren't. But if they were, it would have been like, I don't know, like four hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. or something. Now, because I which is a good thing, I guess, like obviously, like I've, I've gone past that threshold. I think I'm on pace for like one hundred fifty thousand or something. Yeah. Like there's no way in hell that I'm getting any subsidies. Right. So like the exact same insurance I was paying is now like double, <laughs> <laughs> you know, which which, yes, I can afford it more because I'm making more. But it's definitely one of those hot uh, political <laughs> topics, mm. which I'm not smart enough to debate, so I never will. But yeah, so I'm, yeah. And you know, it's funny, you read like 
all those early retirement people. Uh-huh. Like we love, you know, Obamacare because they they make so little. Like they they're they're like so wealthy, but because they figured out the system to pay like no taxes and live off of very less, like that live off like twenty thirty thousand a year. They're quote considered like kind of you know not poor but like on the lower end right. of whatever. So they get like all the subsidies. They pay no taxes, <laughs> right? Even though like they're more wealthier than like all of us, <laughs> or at least me. For the sake of any listeners who are like wondering how that works, so basically the subsidies are determined not based on your net worth but based on your income. So you could have a million dollars in investments. But only if if you're retired and you're not making any other income, you could have a million bucks in your investment portfolio, but only withdraw thirty thousand a year as taxable income, and so then the subsidies and everything else gets based on your income, which is thirty thousand dollars a year. You know, it's and it doesn't care what your net worth is and your taxes and when you pay taxes. Yeah, exactly. It's more complicated, but yeah, if you're only quote getting thirty thousand income, even if you're just like working a normal job and you're not even touching investments, whatever the case is, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what everything's based on. Yeah. And so if you're really good, if a you can live off of twenty or thirty thousand a year, which I would applaud you because I can't now with kids, unfortunately, uh, or at least with the lifestyle I want. Mm-hmm. That's trick number one: living off of less. Trick number two is then investing like crazy and bonkers, you know, and so you can take advantage of all these, all these loopholes. Yeah. We, for health insurance, we just bought like a super, super high deductible policy, like ridiculously high deductible. So I don't even think of it as health insurance. I think of it as like, it's really bankruptcy insurance is what it is. Right. It prevents us from losing all of our assets in the event that we get a cancer diagnosis. But in terms of actually covering any health costs, it's not going to do that because the deductible is just insane. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, I think, yeah, because if it was just me by myself, I would do that. But with kids and that, man, those kids always go into doc and they freak me out. So I'm, we're always in like the, the good or medium to good, not the best, but not the worst category. And then we pay more because of it. Yeah. Health insurance is broken up as what gold, silver, bronze. And then there's one other type of metal. That's it's like platinum. Oh, is I it think. platinum? I think so. So yeah, we, we have like, we always have the lowest. So I guess we've got the bronze policy. Yeah. That's life. Yeah. <laughs> insurance. Oh, no, no, that wasn't life insurance. That was health insurance. Oh, let's talk about life insurance. Yeah, so do you have life insurance, Jay? I do. And do you want to guess who I use? <laughs> Let me guess. Is it USBB? Close. Yeah, so I use USAA and um, I have 30. I, man, I guess I, I signed up for 30 year term. Uh huh. But that was. Man, like seven or eight. Jay's like that was thirty years ago. Shit. (laughs) Yeah, and so um, I I only researched a little, but at least like I I weigh uh, my opinion, my basis on stuff heavily on what like smart financial bloggers are doing. Like I trust them more than other stuff. Yeah. Um, And it seemed like nine out of every ten blogger or early like whoever was like talking about this stuff that are my friends, like they all were like term, term, term. Yeah. And so I just said, screw it, I'm going with term. I and totally it, agree. Term life all the way. Do not get whole life. My, I mean, I haven't thought about this in years, but my um, impression of it, how it all works is it's pretty straightforward. If you die within the 30 years, you pay out whatever your thing is. Yeah. And so the trick, so the, the trick with that thing is if you can get it early when you're young and super viable and healthy and you pay less and, and lock it in at a low rate mm-hmm. early, 
not in like 30 years from now, right? Right. Then you're covered cheaply and you're healthier in theory more than you will be later. Right. I actually have super strong opinions about this. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I completely agree. To, so okay, so for the, the listeners who aren't familiar with this, term life insurance is like any other insurance in that similar to car insurance or health insurance, if you're paying your premiums and the event happens, which in this case is your death, then your beneficiaries, your spouse, your kids, your whoever, uh, your favorite charity, whoever it is that you want to leave it to, uh, your beneficiaries get the payout that comes from the fact that you're insured. And that's what insurance is. That's like, that's exactly how health insurance works. That's exactly how car insurance works. That's, that's how, that's what insurance is supposed to be. Whole life insurance is, in my opinion, a complete, do I want to go so far as to use the word scam? I think I might. Wow. Yeah. I, I think, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go that far. I'm, I'm going to go okay. there. And why is it a scam? So it is marketed by people who say, well, you don't want to pay all of these premiums and then have nothing to show for it at the end, which is insane because that's what insurance is. Insurance is you paying a whole bunch of premiums to cover your car or to cover your home and right. then have nothing to show for it at the end. Because in the best case scenario, nothing. Yeah, you're alive. <laughs> yeah, nothing. Your car is not damaged and your home is not damaged and you're still alive. That's what that's the outcome that you want. You know, it's the only thing you pay for that you don't want anything in like return. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, it's the best waste of money. So, um, you know, insurance is there to, like, keep, to protect you in case the, the catastrophic happens. But the people who sell whole life, their whole marketing shtick is, well, you don't want to pay all these premiums and then never get anything for it. Ignoring the fact that what you're getting, quote, for a term is, is protection, you know, in the same way. So, so they've designed this policy called a whole life policy where... You pay these super high premiums relative to a really pretty small amount of coverage. As long as you pay those premiums for your entire life, then when you eventually die, you or your beneficiaries will get the payout. So basically, it is not term limited. So, in, you know, a term policy, okay. you'll have these fixed premiums for the span of... 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, however long of a policy that you purchase. Uh, with whole life, you pay these premiums your entire life. So when you die, your beneficiaries will definitely get something. Do the premiums go up over time or are they all the same, like the term? I would need to look into that, but I think it depends on what kind of policy you get and blah, 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 okay. blah. Because there's got to be some sort of inflationary adjustment. Yeah, if you're like 80 or 90, I would imagine the premiums would be higher. But I don't know. I would need to look into it. But the okay. the... Like the reason I've never even gotten that far is because the amount of premium that you're paying relative to the coverage is just a complete joke. You know, okay. you're paying ridiculously high premiums for a very small payout and they market it to you. They justify that by saying, well, it's really a hybrid insurance policy slash savings and investment plan. Dude, don't hybridize your insurance with your investments. Yeah, because my I always thought whole had something to do with investing. At least whenever I saw it, it was like, hey, part of your premium is going to be invested. And then at the end, you get all the money in your investment account or something. Yeah, that's exactly how they try to market it. It's the worst okay. investment plan. You would be so much better off paying the premium for a term policy 
and then taking that difference and investing it yourself and investing it yourself. Yeah, you would be way better off doing that. Based on that, like worst case with term, you get term for thirty years. Then on like thirty years in one day, like if you didn't renew it because you're lazy or whatever, mm -hmm. you like die, then you get nothing. Yeah. <laughs> you know now, or when I guess second worst case is if you wait till that day you're alive and then you go and you set it for another thirty years because your health is different and now you're gonna pay a lot more. I don't know how it works if, like I tried to up mine mm -hmm. when I had kids because everyone's like, oh, make sure you up your policy because now you have kids. Mm -hmm. With term, you have to like go through the whole process again and create like a brand new one again. Uh -huh. Like it's like it rides over your old one or something. Right. I don't know, like I realized, I think like we're uninsured, I think it was like 300 or 350,000, yeah. which isn't a lot of money. Like my family would be more than fine if I died and we got that. Right. So like to me, that's okay. Maybe like it's going to have to change. And I know a lot of people are like, well, you should be insured for like half a million or a million. I mean, people throw out numbers all the time. Yeah. You know, as long as you look at your own situation is like, if I die and my family got this, is this good? Or do we want them to be set for life? Like if I wanted my family to be set for life and not worry if I die, then I'd get like a $2 million policy or 3 million. Right. Right. Then they'd be rich if I died. <laughs> then they <laughs> would know? have an incentive for yeah, murder. Incentive. <laughs> for me, like I don't like want to pay like whatever amount that would be every month to ensure they become millionaires when they die, you know? So you, right. you, you know, you do whatever you need to do. The rule of thumb is that the policy should represent between seven to 10 years of your income. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Which is a lot, you know? Like that is a lot. <laughs> but see, that's like that's like the thing with these rules though, it's just like retirement. Like right. you have to wait till you're sixty-five and then retire and put five you know, but like you don't your lifestyle can be completely drastically different. Exactly, yeah. So I mean it's just a rule of thumb and take it with a huge grain of salt. You know, I, I didn't do that either. Like when I bought my term policy, when you know, Will and I both have term uh, we have twenty year term policies. Okay. Instead of looking at our income, what we did was we looked at all of the mortgages that we have on all of our rental properties. Yes. And we said, you know what, if either one of us dies, we want to leave behind enough money such that the other person could just pay off every single mortgage. Yes, I love it. You That's know? what we did. Yep, Because we just didn't want the other person to like have to deal with all of those mortgages yeah. by alone. Right. That's great. So, uh, that's actually what our, yeah, our house was around 350, a little more. So that's what we, why we did it too. Yeah. That's good. That's a good way to do it, I think. Yeah, exactly. Cause that's, that's my feeling about it. Both me and Will were like, you know what? If, if we could just leave you with fully paid off houses, I trust that you could figure out the rest on your own. Right. You know, <laughs> right. like, yeah. I think you'd be fine with a, with, a paid off house or or in our case a yeah. bunch of paid or off houses. Think like you know what if i was paula i'd use that million dollars or whatever and go buy 30 more homes so I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. but that's his decision and a gift that you left him right exactly <laughs> well and we should say like insurance just like with other insurance it's per person so like my wife has her own policy i have my own policy the rates are different because girls and guys are different and health is different right and if you smoke if you go skydiving like all these things that you do in your life that you don't think about once you sit down to do term insurance or any insurance, they ask you about all these things and that drastically can affect. Yeah. You know, smoke four packs a day or you're an alcoholic or whatever, right? Like, obviously, like, these are going to affect your death rate in theory. And so everything gets jacked up. Yeah. I'm a certified open water scuba diver. So that affected my premiums. That does affect. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Your, your risk of dying is higher because of that. Man, that sounds like a terrible way to go. A scuba accident? Ugh. Oh, God, that's horrible. <laughs> yes. 
All right, so that's life insurance. I think Paula wants a whole episode one day on on her hate for relationships. <laughs> um, all right, so what other? So there's car. There's life. Should we... Oh, I have an umbrella insurance. Oh, I do too. Yeah, I've got an umbrella liability policy. Yeah. Okay. Do you want to tell people what that is? Yes. Yeah, so yeah, just really quickly in a nutshell, this is basically a policy. It's the last case resort policy. And if you get sued or if somebody tries to come after your assets, this is the policy that kicks in. And and there are limits, of course. If you are grossly negligent, you know, um, then n- nobody's going to save right. your ass, dude. You're grossly right. negligent. Um, but, you know, if, if there's some kind of frivolous lawsuit against you or anything like that, um, this, this is where the umbrella policy kicks in. And I'll give you an example, actually. This happened to Will's mom. She has a rental property, her tenants, and she installed a carbon monoxide detector in there. Okay. And the city inspector came out and saw it. So there's like a verified official third-party person saying, yes, I know there's a carbon monoxide detector in there. Well, the tenants were growing weed. Oh, my gosh. Which in Colorado is legal. Okay. So they were legally growing weed in there. But when you grow pot, you I don't I don't exactly know how it works, but you for some reason you mess with carbon monoxide or car, I don't carbon CO two I don't know I have no idea how weed is grown, but sure. this, <laughs> I really don't. I, well, I guess you must mess with carbon dioxide and not carbon mon. I don't know. I don't know chemistry either. Okay. When you grow weed, I guess you have a CO two tank and you do this and that and the other. And so for whatever reason, they the tenants disabled the carbon monoxide alarm, and then. Lo and behold, they got carbon monoxide poisoning and they all went to the hospital and they (gasps) didn't have... I know, right? Wow. Yeah. And then they, of course, they didn't have health insurance. So then they all got these ridiculous health bills, health care bills. And so then they were like, well, would you pay for our, our health insurance? And they were trying to claim that the source of the carbon monoxide was the furnace rather than their weed operation. And it became this whole like legal thing. And this was where the umbrella policy really came in handy. The people who ran the umbrella policy were able to like step in and handle it. That's awesome. And you don't have like a specific insurance for people growing weed in your apartment. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I'm sure maybe some other like thing kicks in. I mean, that's like if you get like a crazy car accident, that's your fault. You have your car insurance, but that only goes so far. Right. So like umbrella would go once your car insurance is done it'll kick up to the next one or however it works (laughs) jay money's like i never considered that my umbrella policy would cover me in case somebody was growing weed in my basement yeah (laughs) that surprises me anymore people do all kinds of crazy stuff and then and not even that's crazy but then they they like to place the blame which is the crazy part (laughs) yeah (laughs) so if anybody is growing drugs on your property your umbrella policy will kick in yeah there you go that's a (laughs) tagline for it so, so why are, everyone knows I, I use USDA for all my insurance. So who do you use for umbrella and or your um, life, your term? Oh, uh, or so you not, for, are you not really loyal to them? Yeah, I'm not super loyal. I would actually have to look it up because I don't even remember offhand. Okay. I know the umbrella policy, we're actually ha- we're going to have to change that over pretty soon. Because if you have up to five properties, it can be covered under a personal policy. But once you have six properties... You have to change it over to a commercial policy. And we have five, we have seven units, but we have five properties right now, seven units and five buildings. So right now we have a personal policy, but we're in the process of shopping around 
you know, because we're eventually going to buy a sixth house. So at any rate, sorry, that's a bit of a tangent. But my the key takeaway is I don't even know who I use and I'm not loyal to them anyway. All right. <laughs> All right. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> Let's go to investing. Um, so I'll start since it used to be boring. Yes, no, I used to be with USAA. And then I wised up and I said, you know what, like Vanguard index funds, that's where my, my vision is now. So I, I had everything. I'd like, I don't know, three, I did like this thing where I invested like 60,000 in one IRA, 60,000 in another IRA and 16 in another IRA. Like when I moved over my 401k um, and I wanted to like pin them against each other and some invested in these funds and these stocks and then see who wins and Anyways, I had like all these IRAs and crazy investment accounts at USCA. And once I got convinced, actually on a podcast, I was on the Dole Roller podcast and he asked me about investing and I was so like, I don't know, I felt like so dumb because like, he thought I was obviously going to say Vanguard because a lot of personal finance people love them. Uh huh. And I did it and he's like, do you even know what you're paying for fees? And I was like, no. Like I had no idea what I was paying. I just didn't pay attention. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. And once I realized fees were an important part of the process, I sold everything from USAA and moved it all to Vanguard. Actually, just one index fund at Vanguard, which is, is it VTSAX? Is VTSAX total, <laughs> I total <knew> market <laughs> Vanguard for lazy people? It pretty much tracks the market instead of like individual stuff. And if the market's doing good, I'm doing good. If the market's down in the shitholes, I'm down in the shitholes. Um, you so know, but, for the listeners, VTSAX is the Vanguard Total Stock Market Index Fund. And they actually have two versions, uh, investor shares and admiral shares. And the only different, they're exactly the same fund. One has a lower fee than the other, but you need to invest more money. You have a higher minimum amount that you need to invest in order to qualify. Yes. So, and so, so I saw like when it came down to, I wrote a blog post on this. I literally broke down every single stock I had. Like I had like 300,000 or something Uh like in like 70 different funds or stocks. Like they were a mixture between funds and single stocks. Mm -hmm. Man, some of the fees are a lot. I don't know. I don't remember all the way, but like two or 3%. Like they were really huge fees. Yeah. Stocks weren't, but like I'd have like 10 random stocks because I like would like follow like Warren Buffett and whatever he did, I would do thinking I was real smart. Yeah. And and it was fine. It's just obviously like his terms and my terms are way different. Right. But I just got tired of thinking of where my money goes and trying to like, like the credit card chasing stuff. I was tired of chasing. And I have a friend that works in like investing and he's always like giving us like hot stock tips based on his research that he does. Like he researches like 60 hours a week. So in theory, he would know better than any normal person because that's all he does. Right. Uh, But I just got tired of thinking and wondering and worrying and so I finally realized, like, I'm cool with, again, the 80%, whatever the market's doing. Like, I believe in the market in general. So if yeah. they're going up, I'm going to go up. I'm not going to make the most, but I'm not going to make the least. I'm going to be, like, average, maybe above, but it's always, like, decent. You're going to do as well as the overall broad As market. well, yes. And so, and then, you know, and my same friend, like, there's years he'd, like, cash out everything, go to, like, gold bars in his safe. It was just crazy. Like I couldn't, it's just so much noise out there, yeah. right? That they're always saying this is the best. No, this is. And then of course, when they say this is the best and it's and not. they're wrong. Yeah. It's not like they go back on and say, I formally apologize. I was wrong. <laughs> no, it's like, well, a hundred other people got it wrong. This is now the best one. Right. It's just, ah, oh, it drove me bonkers. So now like, I don't think about anything at all. I don't care. You know, I put all my money in one spot. And I know, generally speaking, I'm going to be good if I don't pull out the money whenever I need it, you know, long term. Right. 
So all that to say, I'm with Vanguard for all my investing now. Nice. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll take it back. I also am with Acorns. I, I like to test apps and stuff. I'm trying to like learn more. And so Acorns, if you sign up your account, like they round up every purchase you do on your credit card or checking or whatever, and they round it up to a dollar, and then they drop those pennies into a fund, like a portfolio. Some of Vanguard funds, actually. I have an Acorns account that has, I don't know, like 300 bucks in it from this year, just based on rounding up pennies over the year. <laughs> nice. But that's not real. Yeah, it's just for fun and to learn and to see how that, you know, for people that are learnt, that are new, that just want to invest without doing anything, like that's right. one option they have. So, all right, your turn. Cool. So I've got... I actually, now that I think, I thought that I was pretty consolidated, but now that I'm about to name every account that I have, I guess I have a lot. All right, start with your main important account. Vanguard. Awesome. I have a, because I'm self-employed, so I have a solo Roth 401k, and I keep that with Vanguard. And I, you know, I made the mistake earlier of like, uh, so I'm I'm a big index funder, right? So everything I have is in index funds. But the thing is, there are all different kinds of index funds. So there is something like VTSAX, which tracks the overall total US stock market. And then there's funds that track the entire global market. And then you've got what are known as sector specific funds. So there's like an energy fund, a healthcare fund, an industrials fund, a like consumer discretionary fund, a consumer staples fund, like all these different little sectors. Yeah. And and we should say too, so the difference between, like, so there's a stock like Apple, right? And then in a total index mine, right? Like, let's say, I don't know how many stocks, let's say there's a thousand to make it easy because I don't know. Like, I'm invested in a thousand stocks. I think the total market has like about roughly around 3,000. Okay, so so my one fund of total market, like one share of it, is like I own a percentage of 3,000 stocks, Apple being one of them, versus just Apple owning one share of just Apple stock. So right. in theory, if Apple went down and bust, I'd lose all my money. In theory, I, I would only lose one sliver of 3000 of the index fund in that case. On the other side, if Apple doubles its money, you make double your money. In an index fund, you probably make a penny or something because it's one fund. Right, you know? yeah. So, so there's, there's trade-off. And, and then you know a lot of people give me shit for having all my money in one fund. Like I literally have like 300-something thousand in one fund, you know. Um, which may be a little drastic, but people say like, oh, like if something happens to that fund, if that fund goes down, like if the stock market crashes and I lose all my money, which would happen, there's like big problems. Everyone's losing their money. Like it's not like a fun choice at that point. It's like apocalypse. Yeah. Um, like so anyway. basically if you're in an index fund that tracks the overall broad market, you're going to do as well as the entire U.S. stock market. So yes. whatever whatever happens to the United States in general is going to be what happens to you. Yeah, when you're talking like energy specific or or, yeah. or whatever, like energy. So that fund would track all the energy things. So let's say there's 100 en- energy companies. Mm-hmm. Like that fund would, would you would own a sh- one part of 100 different companies versus picking one specific energy stock. Mm-hmm. Just to give yeah. people an idea. Exactly. Oh, by the way, I just Googled it. So the total number of stocks in uh, in Vanguard's total stock market index fund is 3,797. That's all the companies I own. I own all the companies. <laughs> I, own, I own all of it. <laughs> and, and so actually, and so another thing not to, I mean, I know we keep getting sidetracked, but these are important things to know. Like there's mm-hmm. fees involved. So if you buy a stock of Apple, you pay the, the transaction fee, but there's no fees to own an Apple stock. 
right? Because no one's managing it. When you have an index fund or a mutual fund that has lots of stocks that like someone's a person's managing it or a company's managing it, mm-hmm. you pay a fee to manage it. So the reason why Vanguard is so popular is that, I mean, there's probably a lot of reasons, but one of the main is their fees are so low. So like right. if I was paying like 2% on whatever I had back at USAA, you know, like compare that to the Vanguard total index, which I don't know off my head, but it's like, oh, oh, like I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Right, <laughs> 0.17 or 0.07 or something. Uh, it's 0.05%. Good. So it's not even ratio. like a 10th of a percent or a hundredth yeah. percent. It's yeah, like exactly. Nothing. It's one half of one tenth of one percent. Okay, so that is that compared to one percent or two percent, like obviously, yeah. dra- like that's that's thousands of dollars, maybe hundreds over the lifetime, depending on how much money you have. Exactly, and you need to to buy VTSAX. You need a minimum investment of ten thousand dollars. If you don't have that, you can buy. Uh, so VTSAX is what's known as the Admiral shares. That's the lower fee. If you don't have the minimum investment of 10000 then you can start by getting VTSMX, which is the investor shares of the total stock market fund. And that has a fee of uh, 0.17%. So, okay. so it's like it's three times the fees, but they're really incremental compared to other. Yeah. Plus, you only have to be in that for a, for a short amount of time, just until you get that $10,000. Yes. And then once you get the $10,000, you can transition into the cheaper one. Yeah. Unless, like, uh, actually, for if you have a 401k with Vanguard, or at least for mine, my solo Roth 401k, um, for, they don't let me buy the, the cheap shares, the Admiral shares. So okay. I, I have to buy the more expensive ones in my, okay. in my 401k. Well, and, that, and you bring up, too, so a lot of mm-hmm. the stuff Paul and I are invested in, um, we have our choice over what tools to use because we're self-employed. If you yeah. have a regular employer where you have, like, a 401k, like you're, you're, unfortunately, you, you could only invest in whatever they offer as a plan, right? So maybe there's only 20 funds or stocks you can choose, mostly funds. Maybe there's an index fund. Then there's also like, there's also stuff where it's like, you know what? I want to invest in 401k, but I don't want it in the market. I want to sit on cash, for example. Like those are like options you have. Um, but whatever your employer has is what you're limited to. Until you leave and you can transfer it out into your own thing, your own IRA or your own whatever, or in your next employer's 401k, you can roll it over. Mm-hmm. But when you're there at a company, you're stuck to whatever they offer. Yeah. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't invest. You should, of course, because anything invested is better than nothing invested. Right. But you're talking about like IRAs, stuff that you can do on your own. Like you can open an IRA at Vanguard, anywhere, you, anywhere you want, you can open one up. Right. right. And what you put in it is up to you too. You can put stocks or bonds or cash or CDs, right? Like, the, like the, it's just a vehicle, right. um, which I know gets really confusing and, that, you know, we don't have to get into it. But just so people know, like, we can invest stuff because we're self-employed more. You're a little bit limited with an employer, but you can do an IRA on the side. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so if you do have an employer, like if you, if you have a, a 401k through your employer and uh, you can't invest in uh, – and you're limited in what you can invest in, then, I mean, my – my recommendation, like what I would do in that situation, would be um, first to look exclusively for index funds because the fees on an index fund are going to be significantly lower than the fees on an actively managed mutual fund. So number one, look at index funds. Number two, look at an index fund Index funds that track an overall broad market don't make the mistake that I did of buying a bunch of sector-specific funds. 
because um, I, I made that mistake a couple of years ago. And it's it wasn't a terrible mistake. It's just that I have all these sector specific funds and like real I'm not going to rebalance them and blah, 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 blah. Like realistically, it just overcomplicates my life. So what I'm doing now is selling out of all of those sector specific indexes and just going to the, the total market index. Ah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one last one last point to make, and that is, statistically speaking, people who try to beat the market, statistically, it, what happens is they, what's known as revert to the mean. So, like, you'll read about all of these fund managers um, who are on this winning, this hot streak, and oh my god, they've beat the market for the past, like, four years. And statistically speaking, over the long term, those people revert to the mean, which means that there's this entire band of like people who are trying to beat the market and they all produce uh, over the long term about average returns. So <laughs> even the runaway winners are only runaway winners for a short amount of time and then become runaway losers and over the long term end up basically performing on average. So if you like, let's say you go into a mutual fund, because back when I was younger, and I didn't know about index funds. I was like looking at mutual funds and trying yeah. to, you know, figure out who's the best fund manager and blah, blah, blah. The thing is, those people over time do no better than the overall market. They And they make millions of dollars off for producing average. Exactly. But they charge you these high fees. And so once you take the fees and the transaction costs into account, you end up actually underperforming the market. So they're producing results that are the same that you would get in an index fund, but they're charging you higher fees for it. So you as an investor, you as Joe or Jane Smith, are actually doing worse by being yeah. in a mutual fund. Right. And when I when I read those statistics, because I'm a fairly data-driven person, and so when I read those facts, that was when I, I converted into an index funder. Yeah. Well, I mean, even Warren Buffett, who, who reads, reads all day long and picks, he recently said, right, like, like, Go ahead. He says that when he passes away, he wants his wife and children to invest only in index funds. There you go. Boom. And that's Warren Buffett. He's awesome, right? Yeah. <laughs> but he knows that you can't like, it's just, it's just, you can't win all the time. It's, just, it's crazy to think that that's even possible. Yeah. You know, so yeah. So Warren Buffett says that I, I agree. That, yeah. That's what Warren Buffett tells his kids. To do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's a fair one. <laughs> Um, all right. So that's investing. And I, I don't, I think we've hit a lot of the main financial yeah. tools. Do uh, we want to like do maybe, uh, saving money and then just, like, Oh yeah. Up? Like where, where you save your money or go ahead. You start with what, where you're going with it. Well, I was thinking of the tool actually, Jay, you, uh, you were the one who introduced this to me and I've been loving it. Oh, good. It's a money saving tool called digit. Oh yeah. I'm obsessed with them. <laughs> all right, Jay, tell me why you love them. So pretty much what you do is you attach your checking account to Digit, um, and what they do in a nutshell, they have this algorithm. That, it sounds crazy, but but it works. <laughs> the algorithm analyzes your spending and income, and every couple of days moves a couple dollars, maybe five dollars, maybe fifteen dollars over into a separate savings account under Digit, and that's it. That's it in a nutshell. So you sign up once, it analyzes your account, and it physically saves money for you. It doesn't tell you, oh, you're saving this. It doesn't tell you what to do. It physically saves the money for you. Yeah. So to give you an idea, I started um, – so in the last – I don't know when this, this thing's going to live. But in the last 11 months, I've been using Digit. Um, and I think I'm fairly good at saving and putting money aside. 
Um, and so, but it'll, it'll go in there and pull it out for me. So I've saved over, I think $2,300 in 11 months. So I save about like $200 a month in little tiny increments and they move it first. They're pretty conservative. They move it with enough padding. So you're not going to like bounce stuff. Like they're, they're getting really sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you can up it to save more or less, but it's, it's a good, it, it pretty much removes money from your checking before you spend it, if you have a habit of spending without paying attention. Mm-hmm. So like the, no matter like how good or bad you are, especially if you're bad at saving money, this physically saves it for you. So on week one, you'll have money in a savings account that that's separated out, which, which I think is a fun, it's just a big change compared to what a lot of places are doing. And even like USAA recently included something that's like digit where it'll save money for you. So a lot of big banking is starting to kind of catch on to this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I love with digit, I guess I should say is right now they're only savings, but they have uh, to, to be, um, uh, what's it, a disclaimer or whatever. Like I'm actually an advisor for them now. I love them so much. I joined their team to advise on some stuff. Not a lot. I'm not that smart, mm-hmm. but like I, but their vision is to hit more than savings. Like they want to first get people to save. You can imagine what you can do after you have a pot of money, right? You think of like investing, debt. There's all these things you can do with that money once you have it saved that they're going to start going down the lines of. Mm. Um, And so they're very forward-thinking visionary. The guy that created Ethan Block, like he had companies, he has money. Like he's not building this for the money. He wants to do... Not like it's not a want to compare it to Facebook, but we're like that dude Zuckerberg's trying to like change the world, right? Like that's his mission. It's not to make money. That's what Ethan's mission is: is to is to change the way we bank and to get people to save more in a different way than anyone's been doing it before. Um, in a nutshell, and that's why I, I'm obsessed with it. That's awesome. Yeah, I I learned about him through you, um, and I freaking love him. I've been using him for a couple of months now. Okay. Um and. Yeah, they're just they're cool. Like so what what I like my experience of it is I don't notice any money leaving my checking account. But if I were to like log in and look at my account history, there would be tiny 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 little withdrawals like $2 here, $4 there, $6 there, $2 again there, you know? So there's like all these tiny little amounts of money that slowly are leaves my checking account over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically, like, digits just humming in the background, and I don't notice it, and I don't pay attention to it. And then every now and again, I'll, like, um, either text them, because you can just, like, get all the updates through text message. So I'll, like, text them or physically, like, log in. And I'll see, I think, like, a couple of months ago, I logged in, and it, I had, like, $800 saved. Damn. <laughs> and, like, I hadn't even, I literally hadn't noticed that money gone. Well. You know? Yeah. And so that's the power of, of using something like Digit. Yeah. And by the way, if you have, like, a minimum amount of money that you have to keep in your account, like, some accounts, they make you keep a minimum of X and if you go below that minimum, you'll get charged a fee. Like you can set up your digit account so that they'll recognize that minimum and they'll make sure that you don't go under it. And also they have a no overdraft guarantee. So like their algorithm is smart enough that you should overdrafting shouldn't be a problem. But just in the event that it that it is, they'll like pay you back for it. They'll, they'll guarantee against it. Yeah, and you can, and by the way, we should like make clear, you can take your money out anytime, like even though it's sitting in a, a digit account, like you can literally text, like withdraw five bucks, 
and it'll say, are you sure? And you say yes. And it'll transfer right back into your normal checking. Mm -hmm. So you have access to it anytime you want. The thing that's interesting is based on like what we're seeing over there is that once it's out of your account, the odds that you then go and waste the money is very, very low because it's already been done and you have to physically go out of your way to get the money back to spend it. You know, so it's like a, a, a barrier in a good way that gets you to think like, I just saved X hundred. Is it worth me transferring out to go spend on whatever? And you can like say like, oh, I'm going to go on a trip. Like you can tag it things too. Um, so it's interesting to see like how people are using it and what they're doing and how fast they're pulling it out and stuff. It's really it's stuff I can't say, but it's really fascinating. And they used to not pay any interest, which was the biggest thing. And now they do pay, like, they call it like a bonus or something like that. Oh, do they? I didn't even know that. Yeah. So now they'll pay like a couple cents for whatever. They'll just automatically give it to you. Um, and so it's not like, like a high yield savings, but it's like any other like crappy bank, right? Right. <laughs> but the point is you're not, you're not saving the money for like five cents. You're saving it because you have like 500 bucks that was siphoned away. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, usually when people say, oh, it's a good savings account, the first thing is interest rate. But this is not, we're not talking about pennies, we're talking about real dollars. And I told all my, like, when I was coaching for money, I told my people to sign up that suck with money, you know? And they're like, oh my gosh, I have $100 in this account, like, to do anything I want. Like, it's just a, it just helps your mind, right, you know? And you can cancel and you can say save more, save less, you can pause it. It's just, it's, it's I'm glad you brought because it it's something that you can try. Again, if you suck at savings or you want to try something new, just try it. And if it sucks, cancel it, you know? Right. Yeah, exactly. And you can always move money from there into a high yield account if you wanted to. Yeah, like that's if you wanted what to, yeah. you could just like move that money into a smarty pig account or whatever. Yes. Yeah. I know some of my friends will save like 200 in there, then they move it over to get like a couple more pennies or whatever. Um, you can do anything you want, but, but it's just a good, I don't know. Like I'm telling you now, it's going to be, you look in the years, it's going to be a game changer. It's, it's, like, I don't even, like, pay attention to technology all that much, and I was, like, blown away from the second, like, I talked to this dude. A friend of mine knew him and introduced me. That's how I got involved. Um, and as soon as I started finding this stuff, I was like, holy shit, this is... Just, it's so crazy, but it's so crazy in a good way. Yeah. But anyways, like, I'm not trying to sell you on it, even though I'm affiliated. Like, it's just pay attention, I guess. Yeah. Try it out. All right, I think that's a lot of stuff. I know we wanted to go over some other things we can save for another, another podcast. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. I think we've covered a lot of ground. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of time. <laughs> so yeah, so in conclusion, though, that is what we personally use for banking, credit cards, car insurance, health insurance, life insurance, investing, and saving more money. That's it. Wow, that's a lot, dude. Oh, yes, we'll see you all soon. Thanks for listening. Hope it's helpful. <laughs> yeah, take care. Have a good time without us. Have, have a good <laughs> post-podcast life. <laughs> see y'all Bye. We'd like to thank our sponsors, Nobody. We don't have any sponsors, but we would like to thank you for listening, because if you weren't, we'd just be talking to ourselves, and that would be weird. If you liked us, please do the following three things. Number one, subscribe to this show on iTunes. Number two, download as many episodes as you'd like. And number three, leave us an iTunes review. If you'd like to know more about us, check out themoneyshow.co. That's themoneyshow.co.